Welcome to the Hurtship Podcast. My name is Sitzke Kazimir, and in this podcast, I'll be exploring the power and, dare I say it, joy of middle management. Middle managers are best placed to see the reality of an organization and to create movement within it. I'll be sharing stories, practices, theory, and insights. The Hurtship Podcast is your weekly reminder to seize the opportunities of the power of the middle. A couple of weeks ago, someone asked me if I could say something about conflict in organizations and what we might learn from horse herds. And I was thinking about that and I was wondering, does our or does my metaphor work here? And as I was looking at my mare herd this morning, I was realizing how little conflict I see. Now, sometimes I see them fight, um, but it's actually rare. More often, I see them scratch each other. I see them playing. I see them watching over each other as they lie sleeping. And although we have some images in our horse culture about horses fighting for dominance um, and trying to be the boss, that narrative mainly comes from domesticated horses when they're confronted with scarcity. And the few times I do see my horses fight, I always have something to do with it. Either I have not fed them in a way that meets their natural way of wanting to eat, which is about 20 hours a day, and in a way in which each horse in the herd can get the food they want. So... They would get too fat if I fed them as much as they wanted. And if I make sure that when I feed them, each one has a way of getting to the food without needing to fight for it, there's very little strife. They might each go and try each different hay stack, but... Then they'll settle down. They won't fight each other for it. They just need to figure out, you know, where did she leave the good hay? Is there better hay somewhere? And in fact, if I always make sure they all get the good hay, they won't even go and check anymore. They'll just trust me. Another time that there might be some conflict in the herd is if I introduce a new horse. And that may be either one of the horses that's been away for a longer time that they need to get used to again, or a horse that I bought, for instance. So again, I'm part of what creates the conflict. Now in horse herds who live more natural or feral, there's no really wild horses anymore in the world, Food, although it's not always there in abundance, 
tends to be distributed in such a way that all the horses can eat and that even horses from different herds can get food. Now, sometimes they may happen upon something in the wild, which um, a farmer left, which is a, a great treat, and then there might be some fighting or pushing for that, not even much fighting. Um, or if water is scarce, there might be some pushing for that. But there's much less conflict than we might expect based on seeing some domesticated horses. Of course, there's always the myth of the stallions who would fight for mares. But even that in nature is not so common. And whether they do fight or not depends actually to a large extent on the environment they find themselves in. So I was reading today about one particular horse herd or actually group of herds where the stallions barely fight. They will signal at each other just with a flick of an ear or a tail. And the reason they don't fight is that in that environment, specifically around the time of the floods, there are so many flies that if you have the tiniest scratch on you, that scratch could very quickly turn into a gaping wound and kill you. So fighting is not at all an advantage if you want to pass on your genes in that environment. And that made me think about organisations. And it made me think about conflicts I've had in organisations myself or conflicts I've been asked to support in or coaches talking about conflict. And typically, even though very often we might think it's about a person or another group, those conflicts are also caused by the environment. Sometimes consciously, very often unconsciously. Sometimes by a decision that one person took, sometimes by sets of decisions which together create an environment or a climate that's just like the flies, either creating more conflict or perhaps less conflict. So if you think about your organisation and conflicts which perhaps start with conflicts you feel you're put in, where you're in a conflict with a peer or with another department somewhere else who's not directly a peer. Think about what's the climate that conflict's in. I spoke in one of the episodes before about can we separate the systemic from the personal. So this is taking that even to a, a different layer, perhaps. What's the climate that's either inducing conflict or maybe you've got examples where the climate is actually asking you and really encouraging you to collaborate? 
One of the things I've seen in many organizations, um, and I'm thinking about large organizations which produce things, is that, for instance, in a system, a country might be pushed to produce and sell as many boxes as they can. While at the same time, there might be a global group which is trying to put some of those boxes, but probably not as many as the country would want to sell on its own, together in solutions which add value to global clients. And when they're asking the country to support them, if there's nothing that also encourages the country to support on the global projects, if it's just pushing them to sell boxes, why would the country support the global ask when they're rewarded for the local selling boxes? Or what about an organization that in the end creates maybe larger boxes that are compounded of many small boxes made in different departments, which is asking each of these departments to make the maximum profit on their small box, their small thing, their small widget. The person who's making the large compound boxes or things is going to find it hard to both make a profit and have a price that's interesting to the customer. So what I often see happen then is that first they have conflict and then they decide to buy the resources they need, the boxes they need, which they could buy internally to buy them externally because that'll be cheaper. Now, if that's what you're driving towards as an organization, that is, of course, fine. But if that's not really what you wanted then how could you change that climate? What might be needed in order to create a different way of collaborating? Now, interestingly, what I've heard in one of those organizations was that at the top of the organization, they created this system because they weren't sure they could trust their entire chain to get a price, ultimately, that was sufficient. They didn't trust the people who at the end would sell that they would get the value that the organization needed. And so they built in competition because if there was enough competition, they trusted that that process would create the right price. But it can also be in teams in the way people are incentivized. What does your scorecard lead you to do in relation to others in the organization? How are you rewarding? And this doesn't have to be in money. It can even be in how you speak to them. How are you rewarding those who work for you? Do you give them more compliments if they do better than their colleagues? 
Or do you give them compliments when they help their colleagues? Do you expect them? And you may not even say this, but even that's a structure that's there. Do you expect them to fight? Or do you expect them to cooperate? It's all these little things that determine whether there's conflict in an organization. So, of course, we can think about what are the skills once we're in the conflict to have a, typically my experience is, good conversation to come out of it. And conflicts are usually driven by two or more parties having different needs which they don't know how to meet together. And so they feel their needs are competing and they start to have a conflict about that. So what if you looked at those needs and made sure that they were more aligned? Which in some ways in an organization shouldn't be difficult because ultimately an organization has many similar needs. Yes, there may be some conflicts going on if you're catering to different markets, but ultimately that organization is there to do a few number of things and not hundreds of things and could probably make choices based on on the need of the whole organization rather than just a fraction. So I have no doubt that you may be thinking about all the things your managers, I'm assuming you might work in a matrix organization with perhaps more than one manager, might be asking of you which are conflicting. And for this week, my encouragement would be look at what you're asking your people and how might that create conflict. Think about biggest conflict you see in your organization that's close to you. Either you're a part of it or it's people who work for you. What's the climate that's creating that conflict? And what might you do to change that climate? Thank you for listening to the Herdship Podcast. As I close, I have three requests and a thank you. First of all, I hope this podcast may have inspired you to try some new things. When you do, I'd love to hear from you. You can send any feedback, questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes to podcast at herdship.com. Dot com. That's herd like a herd of horses combined with the word ship. Secondly, if you enjoyed the podcast, please press the subscribe button so that further installments will show up automatically in your feed and you can tune in weekly. My third and final request is that if you liked it, please share this podcast with anyone you think might benefit from it too. 
As a thank you, you will find any resources, such as links to articles or books I have mentioned, and practices from this episode on herchip.com slash podcast.